Please be seated. Mark 14, verses 12 through 26 reads, And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room? Where, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples, and he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say, to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Father, we have gathered here tonight, called by you, whether we realize it or not, gathered by you, whether we realize it or not, whether invited by a friend, it doesn't matter. You're ultimately the one in charge here. You're the one who is calling the shots, so to speak. And you've gathered us here to observe one thing. The death of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I pray now you'd speak through me to make it clear to those you've gathered I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So on any given day in, uh, in my house, more like every single day in my house, uh, somebody of my three children, my three boys, makes a mess or breaks something. It's just a reality of life with kids. And inevitably, when Missy, my wife, or I discover that something is messy or broken, Missy or I will ask, or maybe yell, if I'm being honest with you, Who did this? Who did it? And what is the near universal, nearly instinctive response from every single one of my children every time I ask that question? Can you guess it? Not me! Not me! I didn't do it! Not me! I didn't do it! He did it. I didn't do it. Not me. Not me. I, I suppose it's, uh, it's natural to not want to take the blame or admit when we, uh, when we have a problem, right? Even us adults are pretty good at 
trying to find a way to get the blame, get the stink of the blame off of us. We don't necessarily grow out of it. We do, however, I mean, we do learn to paper over our issues with euphemisms or more rational sounding excuses. No, not, not me. I'm not abrasive and rude. I'm just honest and tell it like it is. No, not me. I'm, I'm not an alcoholic. I just have a nightcap every single night to relax for five hours. No, not me. I'm not lusting. I'm just appreciating his unbelievable body. No, I'm not gossiping. I'm just sharing a prayer request. No, I'm not greedy, not me. I just appreciate the nice things, and there's nothing wrong with that. I could go on and on, but you get the point. Not me. Not me. Tonight we eavesdrop in on the Last Supper of Jesus with his closest friends, his disciples. He's taken the Passover meal with him, and this meal is, I mean, this is the meal that you'd have with your family. So he is saying to his disciples by eating this with them, like, guys, you're my family. You're as close as anybody could be to me. Of course, the Passover meal celebrated God's deliverance uh, of his people from Egypt and from slavery. At this meal, they will recite the events of the past, but also each time with some hope for the future. Surely that is where his disciples were. They most definitely believed at this moment, going into this dinner, that it would be just a little bit longer before Jesus' kingdom would come in power and they would finally be delivered from the bondage of Roman imperialism. But then Jesus makes a jolting statement. He'd been doing that a lot in the last week. As they finish eating the Passover and move on to the next stage in the meal, the stage where the leader of the Passover would, would dip the bread into a mix of fruit and bitter herbs. He says these words, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. One who's sitting at this table with me. Now we know that, of course, the specific betrayer was Judas Iscariot. Even if you are not a Bible reader or Bible scholar at all, you probably knew that. It's a name that we've heard a lot. Judas is slang for a betraying type of person. But, but nobody else in that room did know that at the time. And what sticks out to me about this passage more than anything else is that Mark reports everyone in the room, everyone at that table, starts asking Jesus, whether or not it's them. Is it I, Lord? What does that tell us? It tells us that every one of them at this moment of, of incredible intimacy with Jesus recognizes something deep within themselves that's capable of doing something they don't want to admit. And as much as they may love their leader, they know deep down 
that it's possible they might be capable of betraying him too. Is it I? John asks. Truth be told, at this moment, it's got to be hard for him to imagine it could be. His gospel account tells us, in fact, that during this time in the upper room, he is so close to Jesus that he is leaning on Jesus' chest. He actually refers to himself in that gospel, not by his name, but most scholars think by the simple title, The One Whom Jesus Loved. Could it really be me, Lord, that would betray you? Is it I? Thomas asks. As the others look at him, they must find it hard to believe that is a possibility. After all, Thomas had insisted just a few days earlier that they should accompany him even to death if need be. And then, of course, there's, there's Peter. Surely, if there was anyone that was going to stick this thing out by the side of Jesus, that would never betray him. It would be Peter. I mean, he had boasted as much many, many, many times, swearing allegiance to Jesus, proclaiming that he would never allow anything to happen to his Lord and Master. We even see evidence of this later that night as the soldiers come out to arrest Jesus. What does Peter try and do? He tries to stab one of the soldiers to defend his rabbi, his king. Is it I, Lord? Peter asks. What's interesting, in Mark's account of this story, is Jesus does not give a definitive answer to their question. And I think there's a reason for this. I think that in a sense, even though Jesus is specifically speaking here of Judas's betrayal, he is wanting the reader, you and I, to see that it really could be any of them because the facts are, when everything starts going down later that night, most of the disciples will indeed run for the hills. Peter's going to do it by denying Jesus three separate times. Is it I, Lord? In one sense, the answer is always yes. It could really be any of you, too. It could be me. That's what this passage calls us to. To stop instinctively declaring, not me, not me. But to allow yourself to question, is it I? Could it, could it be that I'm not just needing a nightcap, but that I actually have a drinking problem? Is it I, Lord? Could it be that I'm not just blunt and straightforward, but I'm actually, I actually am rude and abrasive, and I'm, I'm mean. I can, be, I can be mean, just straight up mean. Is it I, Lord, that's not merely being friendly, but flirting with somebody I really don't have the right to do that with, that I shouldn't do that with? Is it me, Lord? Is it me that could be greedy and desiring things of the world far more than you? Is it I, Lord? 
One time during communion, a number of years ago, I closed my eyes and began to pray. And as I was praying, I had something like a vision of the whipping and beating of Jesus before his crucifixion. In my mind, there was a, a small crowd of soldiers standing around Jesus, taunting him and mocking him, and they were spitting on him, and they were kicking him. And then one of them was whipping him just mercilessly. I mean, absolutely mercilessly. I mean, one lashing after the other. It just wouldn't end. And I was so heartbroken at that moment that I was what I was seeing that, that I began to cry. And, and then I realized as I was watching this scourging that I was watching it through the man's eyes who was holding the whip. And it occurred to me the reason I was seeing this gruesome scene that way is because it was supposed to be my hands whipping Jesus. Is it I, Lord? Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And yet, it is to this crowd of doubters, and unstable, unreliable followers, including, by the way, even Judas. People just like you and me, that Jesus will still say, this is my body given for you. I will give up my body for you. Though you will run away from me, though you will let them spit and mock me and whip me and crucify me, and you will abandon me, you will run, you will not stay by me, I will still say my body given for you because I want you that much. To this crowd of doubters and unstable and unreliable followers, people just like you and me, Jesus says, this is my blood of the covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whose sins? Your sins. My sins. As they crucify me, I will plead for you. I will even plead for them as they pound the nails into my flesh. I will plead for them before the throne of my Father. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I'm going to say it over and over and over and over again. Because that's how much I love you. I'm going to give everything. So to our is it I question tonight, the answer from Jesus is yes, it is you. But I have a better word, it is I, and I have overcome the world. Your sins are forgiven, and one day we will feast together.
for all eternity. Father, it is I. How I'd like to believe that I can blame the world out there for all the problems in the world. How I'd like to believe that if we just tinkered with this or that thing or this or that person that things would be better. But the truth is every one of us has a part to play in the crucifixion of you, Jesus. yet, tonight, we are invited to your table again. Here is the body given for you. Take eat. Here is the blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take drink. So we come with hearts of praise and thanksgiving, Lord God. And we pray the prayer that our Savior gave us with one voice saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please stand. Because it is indeed you and me. Let us confess our sins as one body together to our Heavenly Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your condemnation for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will. Amen. John promises if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are forgiven. As forgiven children of God, let's confess our faith together as it's written in the Apostles' Creed with one voice again, saying, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. And the bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ. For we, being one bread and one body, all partake of that one bread. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus 
And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there.